There we go. Mark 1.16, passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee, in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. Matthew chapter 4 is basically the same story. Matthew chapter 4 verse 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. So the two things we know from this account, or or one of the things we know, is that they were called at the same time as as Simon and Andrew. Uh, The other thing we know is that they they were fishermen. They were all fishermen. And Jesus issues this challenge to them. Come follow me and and you will fish for men. And that becomes a major driving metaphor for what the kingdom is. It's casting a net and bringing in the fish who are people who are being gathered into the kingdom. And we we talk a lot about that. The the net is not, you know, they don't fish with a rod and a reel. The net is, is a people who have been joined together. In, in, in relationship and who are gathering in the people of God. That's not what we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, but that, that is uh, one of the things we know from those early pictures of John and the other disciples that he was called with. Luke, in his account, chapter 5, he adds a couple uh, relevant details. So we'll go to Luke 5. Uh, Start in verse 1. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. He saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, He fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. So in some ways, Peter knew who he was, too, in some ways. Uh, For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. He realized they were partners. They were business partners. And when Simon's nets began to break, Simon and Andrew's nets began to break, 
they called James and John over to come and help them with this catch. It was highly symbolic. Um, in, in the other accounts, it says that Peter and Andrew were casting their net. It says that James and John were mending their nets. So James and John are symbolic of the, the, the menders of the nets. Peter is a net caster. Um, and so we'll, I'll talk about that in a little bit. So those are some of the details that we get from the other Gospels. Um, so now let's go through the, the, the Gospel of John and look at... So this is sneaky because John never mentions himself. John Zebedee does not appear in the Gospel of John, except anonymously. And on the title page, I guess. But he didn't title his own book. That's, that's a later edition. Interesting. All of the disciples are named. Uh, at least the, the, the primary ones, except for John. Uh, so let's look in, in chapter 1, verse 35. The next day again, John, that's John the Baptist, not John the Apostle. John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying. And they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. We never learned the name of the other one. Isn't that funny? I just think it's funny. And so Andrew, and so in John, this is a, this is a story unique to John, John's gospel. This is apparently an earlier encounter that they had with Jesus um, in the midst of John's preaching of, of the word and, and declaring Jesus. And so not only was John one of the first four, but he was one of the first two. To meet Jesus out of all the disciples. So we don't hear John refer to himself uh, again until chapter 13. So the first thing in that, in, in this chapter 1, is that this is the only account. John's gospel, John's telling of the story is the only one that includes that very earliest encounter with Jesus. Okay? He was there from the beginning. Then chapter 13, we don't, we don't hear of John again until chapter 13. This is, um, so the first 12 chapters of the book of John are the book of signs. We call it the book of signs. And it basically goes through Jesus' ministry and picks out seven, um, seven signs that indicate that he truly was the Son of God. Okay? Chapter 13 begins the second large chunk of the book of John. It really tells of Jesus' last, uh, last few days on earth. So in, in chapter 13, this is when he's washing. We read this last night when he was washing uh, Peter's feet or trying to wash Peter's feet. and Peter didn't understand uh, what was going on. He, didn't, he felt indignant at the fact that Jesus would want to wash his feet. He said, no. Right? This is the Peter that fell down before Jesus and said, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. Okay? So after these things, in verse 21, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. 
The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, now this is John. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at table close to Jesus. Um, So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So you get these little little glimpses of, number one, this, this disciple that Jesus loved, his relationship with Jesus, but also his relationship with Peter. Those two share a special relationship. Peter is apparently not as close to Jesus as John is in this, in this scene. But he wants to know. He wants, to, he wants the info. John, ask him for me. All right? Now, the phrase here is very interesting. When it says that he is reclining at table close to Jesus... This is literally in Jesus' bosom. If you know anything about the book of John, especially if you're the King James Version, that should be a familiar phrase to you. Because it says, no one has ever seen God, in the prologue, it says, no one has ever seen God. The only God who is in the bosom of the Father has made him known. That's the only other time that that phrase is used. John has the same relationship with Jesus, same language, as Jesus does with the Father. Which we see becomes one of the main points that Jesus tries to make toward the end of this book. The same way that I relate to the Father, I want you to relate with me. Right? Um, you go a little further, in chapter 18, we get another mention. This sort of sideways, sideways autobiographical detail. When Jesus has been betrayed and he goes before um, the Sanhedrin, the, the Jewish leaders, verse 15, Simon Peter followed Jesus and so did another disciple, <laughs> who shall remain nameless. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the court of the high priest, but Peter stood outside of the door. He's always getting closer to Jesus than, than Peter. So they let, they let John in, but Peter, they didn't let him in. This leads to Peter <laughs> denying Christ. <laughs> He's outside. J- John's in there with Jesus. Man, what's happening? And then he begins to, he's by himself now, and he's waiting, and then he begins to be questioned about his relationship with Jesus, and he ends up denying him. All right? So there's another time where, where John, he gets to go into the trial with Jesus. Um, a little further on, in chapter 19, well, well as Jesus is being crucified, uh, verse 25, But standing by the cross were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. So here Jesus, from the cross, out of his deep love for his mother, uh, entrusts her care to who? To John. That's a big, that's a big responsibility. And... Um, Tradition tells us that uh, John then took Mary 
uh, and, and cared for her. And they ended up in, long term, they ended up in Ephesus, in the community in Ephesus. Um, and probably John wrote his gospel from Ephesus, which also explains why John includes some of the details that he includes. For example, Mary telling John to turn the, or telling Jesus to turn the water into wine, right? Who did she, who did she find that out, or who did John find that out from? It was Mary. That was one of the stories uh, that Mary must have, have uh, told John. All right, so uh, then chapter 20. Um, verse 3, or verse 2. i just start at verse 1. <laughs> now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going towards the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. <laughs> oh, the, the, I mean, he's writing his gospel. He's an old man. Peter's dead already. I'm going to put this in. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. So guys, fold your laundry, okay? If, if you're a disciple of Jesus, fold your clothes. Okay. Um, but the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. And then the final place, we read some of this last night in John 21. Um, I might have to read most of this chapter. After this, Jesus re- revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in, Jesus, in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other of the, his disciples um, were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to them, we will go with you. And I don't know if, I don't know if they felt bad for Peter, or if he might have been, like, suicidal at this point. But don't leave him alone. Right? Because after he denied Jesus, it says he went out and he wept bitterly. And he, this guy was distraught. Okay? So, it, it could have been a matter of safety that they went with Peter. Um... They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now, this is a familiar scene. Uh, This is the scene that Luke gives us in his gospel uh, on one of the first encounters that they had with Jesus where he said, cast your net into the other side. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. Now, John says he revealed himself to them this way. And John, John wants to tell this story. He says, just listen. Listen to what he did. Listen to, how, listen to this beautiful way in which our Lord revealed himself to us 
He went all the way back to the first days. He took us back to that, that, that moment where we understood that he was something special. And now here he is risen from the dead. And we know he is something special. We know he is the one. So they cast it in and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of the fish. The the disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now Peter, again, he must have been distraught. John had to take, John had to say, no, it's the Lord. Peter was probably, he was probably loath to, to believe that. He's probably slow to believe that. When Simon, when Simon Peter heard that it was uh, the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. <laughs> I'm going in. The other disciples came in, in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they, will not, they were not far from the land, about a hundred yards off. And when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And this is where we have the restoration of Peter. Um, But listen to this interesting detail. Um, So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. Although there were so many, the net was not torn. The net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Um, and then he has the exchange with Peter where he really brings him back into an understanding of who he is. He restores his relationship with Peter. And then it says, after he said this, he said, follow me. And then Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. The one who had been reclining at table close to him and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? What's, in his, what's ahead for him? I think I finally understand that where I'm headed is the cross. What about him? <laughs> this John who always seems to be so close to you. What's your special plan for him? Jesus said to him, he's still working on Peter. If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? Peter? If I want him to stay alive until the day I come back to this place, what are you going to do about that? (laughs) So the saying spread among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. Yet, let me just clarify some things. I, John, who was there. Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die, but if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? This is, this is a funny way to conclude your book. <laughs> Correcting some, some false assumptions that have gone on. Some hasty, some hasty conclusions that have been drawn. So it's spread among everyone that John's not going to die. And everyone says, and this is, this is like, I think this is classic of, of probably a lot of good leaders. They were saying something to make a point. They weren't declaring some <laughs> universal truth. He was trying to teach Peter something, guys. Don't, don't take it out of context. So he corrects that context. And then he says, this is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things. So he reveals himself. I'm that guy. 
and there were, there's a lot else that I know, and I can't write it all down because it would fill all the books in the book. You guys don't even know half of what, I, of what I've learned. Okay? And then as a, as a little, as a little uh, epilogue here, in the book of Acts, this is interesting. So obviously Peter preaches the great sermon of Pentecost. The net is cast. Guess what? Thousands of people are coming in. Right? From every nation. They're, the net has been cast and they are hauling in. The, the, the apostles are hauling in this great catch of fish. It's happening. They are, they are catching men. But it's very interesting in the book of Acts. Chapters 3 and 4 especially... Wherever Peter is mentioned, he's mentioned with John. Peter and John. They're like one person. Peter and John. Peter and John. Peter and John did this. Peter and John did this. Peter and John did this. They are literally one person in the way that that the story is told. Peter and John were going up to the temple. This is chapter 3. Seeing Peter and John about to go in the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John. (laughs) and said look at us Um, the only thing that you don't see here is John ever talking Peter does all the talking but John is with him every step of the way alright it's a very interesting relationship here the only time he does talk he's talking in unison with Peter as in chapter 4 um, verse 19 Peter and John answered them whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God you must judge for we cannot speak of what we have seen and heard they are, they are joined at the hip in the work of the kingdom okay so there's there's a lot of information, a lot of scriptural information that we have about John. Um, we don't hear him talk in the stories, but at the same time, he has said a whole lot, a whole gospel, three epistles in the book of Revelation. So I have some thoughts about, about John. Um, first is that the uniqueness of his calling in ministry is different than that of Peter. It was different than that of Peter. Um, Just like Peter, Jesus knew where John would end up. He saw down the road. He knew what he had in store for John. He knew the place that John would fill in the building of the kingdom. And it was different than Peter. It was not the same. And Jesus made sure Peter knew that it was not the same. John is a mender of nets. That's what he was doing at the beginning, and that's what he's doing here at the end. Jesus knew that as the church matured, somebody with a deep knowledge of the essence of who he was would one day need to speak definitively and universally about who Jesus was. Jesus gives John the final say. John has the final say. Not Mark, not Matthew, not Luke, as thorough as Luke was. John has the final say. Why? Because of his relationship 
with Jesus. Jesus knew that John knew who he was. Specifically, he knew that John had received his love in a deep way. He had had grown close, intimate, in relationship with Jesus. And he says, you know something that everyone is going to need to know. The nets are going to be cast. There's going to be a lot of fish. They're going to start to break. You're going to need to go mend the nets with what you know about me. He writes, you know, he was traditionally a part of the Ephesus community. John was around long enough to see Ephesus first thrive as a church and then decline. And what does he call them to in the book of Revelation? He says, you've abandoned your first love. Come back. John is the disciple that Jesus loved. He understood what it was all about. It all begins and ends with the extent to which you understand Jesus' love for you. That's what Jesus was working with Peter to try and get to. Okay? He came to mend the... Jesus preserved John to come mend the nets where they would begin to break. When the kingdom began to expand, when Paul comes on the scene, it begins to go to the Gentiles. And it begins to grow and grow and grow. And just like at the beginning, all those guys need to call John over to come and help them patch this up. And how does he patch it up? He calls it back to the most basic, fundamental truths. The ones that we, that we know and love out of the book of John. And 1 John. Love. It's about love. His love for us. Our love for Him. What's all of the law? Love God and love each other. This is what you've heard from the beginning. There's no new commandment that I give you. It's love. It's always been love. While while we walked with Him, it was love. The church is becoming things that it was never meant to do. It's always been about walking in love with Jesus. That's the foundation of it. And if that ever goes, the nets break and it all goes to pieces. That is the glue. We don't hear anything from John until he comes to make, his, to make it, the truth known. Until he comes to tell us about the love of Jesus. Until he comes to give us the account of the disciple that Jesus loved. Jesus himself. So he waits a long time to speak. He waits till everyone else is gone. And then he gives us the deepest and most intimate theology that we possess in Scripture. He gives us John 13 through 17. My goodness. Deep, deep truth. From the inner, inner, inner circle of Jesus' earthly ministry. John says, let me tell you what's at the very core of all of this. John emphasizes in in all of his writings, love. Love is the key to everything. He also talks about light. Light. What is light? It's being known. In 1 John he says, if we walk in the light, meaning if we allow ourselves to be known of God and given to one another, Openly and honestly, we have fellowship 
with one another. We have what God has, what the Father has with the Son. Fellowship. If we allow the light to come into our lives, and we don't shrink back from it, as he says in John 3. We don't shrink back because our deeds are evil. We don't want to be found out. But if we remain in the light, guess what? His, we are cleansed from, we, he, we are forgiven of our sins. And we are cleansed of all unrighteousness. If you stay in the light, you are cleansed of all unrighteousness. Because of John's relationship with Jesus, we have statements like this. God is love. You can't get any more fundamental than that. Because of John's relationship with Jesus, we know that the right way to stop sinning is to come into the light. Not to hide and try and fix ourselves before we come into the light. We don't want the dirt to be seen. Whenever you shine a light on something, you see how dirty it is. But unless you shine a light on something, you cannot get that dirt out of there. You're not going to see it. So that's the first thing. That John's ministry to the church... That Jesus knew who he was, and he knew what the church was going to need a generation and a half, two generations later. Okay? He knew what the church was going to need, and it was going to need to come back, just like the church of Ephesus. The church was going to need to come back to the fundamentals, to come back to love, to our first love. And John was the guy to do that. Because he of all the disciples seems to have gotten that when Jesus was here. In his relationship, in his earthly walk with Jesus, he was in the bosom of Jesus. He got it, and Jesus said, you understand love. And you're going to be very, very valuable to my work later on. Different than Peter, right? Very different than Peter. Um, Just as crucial. So the second thing, then, is John's relationship with Peter. That a big part of what he needed to do was to be with Peter. John could never have been who Peter was called to be. It wasn't going to happen. And Jesus didn't even, didn't even work at that. It wasn't like he started with John and then that wasn't going to work and he went to Peter. No, John was never going to be who Peter was called to be. But Peter could never have been who he was called to be without John. And I believe that. I believe that Scripture has those two together for a very important reason. Peter could not have been who he was called to be without John. John needed to be with him. And they they needed to to be a net together. And John was going to be the one that held that net together. Peter was going to cast it out there. He was going to... He's the tip of the spear. He's going to preach. Thousands are coming in. And John's there holding it all together with his understanding of who Jesus is. Beautiful picture. Beautiful picture of the church. One who knows, like John, one who knows they're loved by Jesus can be who they need to be in their relationships. Freely. If John was insecure, if John was jealous of Peter in any way, 
But John wished that his personality was different. John wished that his mix of giftings was different. It would have all failed. But because John knew more than anything else that, he, that Jesus loved him, it took care of every other question. He could be who he needed to be. He could be who he needed to be for Peter, for the rest of the disciples, for the church, for Mary, everything. Because he knew that Jesus loved him, and that was, that's the only thing he cares about you knowing. He doesn't even want you to know his name in his gospel. His name is the one that Jesus loves. Right? Forget Simon and Peter. How about just the guy that Jesus loves? What else does John say? He must increase. I must decrease. It all, it all comes down to being loved by Jesus. That is the only detail that matters in your life. Could we say that John loved Peter in the way that Jesus defined love? In the way that John defines love for us? Quoting Jesus. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Did John lay down his life for Peter? Did John see how much Jesus had invested in Peter? Did John see Peter's destiny in the kingdom of God and say, I know who I am. I know who I'm not. I'm given to you in love. He laid down his life. For Peter. Finally, um, and this I think is the most important thing, is, is John's intimacy with Jesus. He's in the bosom of Jesus. He lays, he reclines together with Jesus. And this is not just a, this is not just a physical detail. This is a, uh, this is a relational truth. Okay? Because... John does nothing by mistake in the way that he writes his gospel. Every detail that he includes is very... So if he says, in the bosom of Jesus, he means just like the relationship that Jesus has with the Father, that's, that's what I felt with Jesus. I was close with him. I was one with him. I was becoming his friend. Because he, he was revealing to us the things that he was going to do. And he was saying these things. And he was, he was showing us the Father. And then we realized that in looking at him, we were seeing the Father. And here we are, so close. Jesus entrusted him with the care of his mother. I don't know how much more personal you can get. Take care of mom. I'm, I'm going. And there she is, and, and John, John brings her in. Jesus knew that she would be cared for, that she would be loved, because he knew how much John understood about love. John never names himself, as we've said, except as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And so as he's writing, he knows that this is the, this is the only important item of, of autobiography, is that Jesus loved it. Let me, let me just... Say something about myself and uh, Jesus loves me. Now let me tell you the rest of the story. And I play some role, but I only play a role in the story as one who, that Jesus loved. That's it. My role in the story is be loved by Jesus and, and, and hang around. Be loved by Jesus and be there. Show up. Go with, go with Peter to the temple. Go with Peter to heal this guy. Go with Peter to go preach to these people. Go with Peter to get beaten and thrown in jail. I'm just here. 
And Jesus loves me. And that's it. That's all you need to know about me. Um, so th- those are some thoughts. I-, I love John. I love studying him because it's like, wait. He doesn't say anything. We don't know anything about him. All we have is these little snippets, and then you realize, oh, he's responsible for most of the, <laughs> a, lot of, a big chunk of the New Testament. We do know what he had to say. He waited a long time to say it, and he said only the most refined, detailed, intimate things that we need to know. He mends the nets for us. Um, so as we've, uh, this weekend, as we've been seeking to allow Jesus to know us, um, one of the primary hindrances to that is to really believe that he loves us. Why don't we want him to know us? Because we don't think that he'll like what he sees. Depart from me. I'm a sinful man. You have no business washing my feet. Well, you're not going to get anywhere unless, you, unless I do. And so, I think one of the things we need to realize, and this would be one point, is that we, for some of us in here, we don't come into the light. We aren't open because we really don't think that Jesus loves us. We don't. We think that that dirt that shows up when the light gets shined is going to cause him to run away. Or we're going to get really embarrassed. Or they're really going to know the truth about us now. It's all going to come crashing down. Wouldn't it be just wonderful freedom to know that you're fully known and because of that, you're the disciple that Jesus loves. Anyway, and in spite of that, you're the disciple that Jesus loves. Unless you come to the light, you will never know the love that is waiting to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If you want to hide dirt, you'll never know how good the cleansing is. You'll never know the freedom. And so to be known in that way, to open yourself up fully to God, you really do need to believe that He is love. And that whatever is there, He is waiting to, yes, shine light on, yes, point out, yes, convict. But man, in the light, we are, we are forgiven and cleansed from all unrighteousness. Isn't that awesome? And what does that? It's love. Love does that. Love does that. So some of you have never really come fully into the light with Jesus. Um, and so I want to challenge you that, that, that if that's for you, we need to do business with God. You need to understand that what's waiting for you on that other side of the light is forgiveness and cleansing. And it only happens if you put yourself in the light. Don't shrink back from the light. Um, some of us might have experienced the love of Jesus in a, in a powerful way. And it's, whoa, this is, I've, I've been undone. I see, what manner of love is this? Another John verse. 
What manner of love is this? We should be called the sons and daughter of God. What is this? Whoa! That's what that means. What manner of love? It's, it's, too, it's too biblical. Right? Think of a way. That, what in the world? Can you believe this? We're sons and daughters of God. What? That's, that, that's, I think, what John says. And you've been gripped with that. Maybe you've been gripped with that at some point. Um, and you need to remember that. You need to remember your first love. Maybe it's been too long since you really just sat and, and, and had that moment of, what? What kind of love is this? So here's the thing. John, John defines love for us. And here's how he defines it. This is how God loved us. He sent his only son so that whoever would believe in him would have eternal life. That's the definition of love. In this way, God loved us that he gave his son. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Um, so let's think, let's, let's, let's think about this, okay? The Holy Spirit is here. You might need to come into the light. Uh, you might need to finally say, I'm, I, don't want to, I don't want to close myself off anymore. John's telling us here that, that he is love. And that on the other side of being known and having the light come into our life is true life. It's, it's the best thing that, that could ever happen because it's what? It's, it's being known and loved. Known and loved. And that's something that the Holy Spirit comes to do. Now, make no mistake, we're not talking about experiencing a warm fuzzy. This can be a very painful thing. For Peter, this was a painful thing, a painful process. Okay? So not everyone's going to be just, oh yeah, this is nice. It's painful. We don't like, we hate it. People don't like the light. Shut it off. I don't want to see myself. I don't want to see that's gross. But we need to come into the light because it's, it's where real life is. Um, and then some, some, yeah, some of you guys have been around here for a long time. And uh, the only thing that's ever going to bring us forward and, and, and cause us to, to build the kingdom of God is if we remain in this love. If we can't begin with the love and this, oh yeah, this is great. Now we're kind of maturing out of that. That was sort of kid stuff. It's the opposite. John comes back to say, no, you remember that kid stuff? Just being with Jesus? That's all that mattered? Guess what? That's all that matters. Has it gotten really complicated? A lot of issues that you're facing now? Your life is keeping you more and more complex? Guess what the answer is? Go back to that. Get back to that love. And then see what happens. Right? Your net's breaking. God's stretching you. 
John's here to mend your nets. And he's here to say, this is what holds us together. This is the, the glue of all of it. Okay? So, where's Philip? You want to come up? Let's spend some time. Let's, let's, I'm going to pray. Uh, the Holy Spirit's here. And um, if, you, if, you really, if you really need to do business with God, if you, if you want to come up and, and, and be prayed for, uh, I would love to pray for you. Um, if you want to just grab a friend, that's fine too. And just go pray with a friend uh, or someone that you, that you love and, and someone that knows you. Um, or if you just want to sit there and let, let the Holy Spirit minister to you, we're just going to be in worship for a little while uh, in prayer. Um, this, is where, this is where God wants to bring us. He wants, he wants to know you. He wants you to know that he knows you. And behind all of that, he wants you to know that he loves you. Okay? And this is, again, this is, you can receive this in so many different humanistic ways. But we would be doing the Bible a disservice if we didn't say, it really is all about Jesus loves you. That's it. That's what John, the guy that outlived everyone, said. That's what John, the guy that, that got to spend uh, his, his waning years with the mother of Jesus. What depth of wisdom he, he accumulated. He watched all of the church grow. He watched Paul come on the scene and, and, and bring it all over the world. And he sat back and he said, here's my gift to you. It's love. And the only thing you really need to know about yourself is that you're the disciple that Jesus loves. Okay? And so in all of this, uh, you will know. When you know that Jesus loves you, you will know your unique ministry. You will know that thing that Jesus wants you to do. You will be able to give yourself in a relationship the way that you need to give yourself. But most of all, you will have intimacy with God which is eternal life. That is what we're called to. Here in his love, not that we loved him, but that he loved us. He initiates. He begins it. You have to receive it so that you can give it back to him, so that you can give it to each other. You're not going anywhere until you're the disciple that Jesus loved. Okay? So here we are. We're at the very root of all of it. Um, and we need to the last thing we need to say is that the way that he loved you the way that you know that is not by how much you feel it but by how much he showed it his son his only son sent into the world crucified died at the hands of sinful men that's how you know you don't know based on what you feel you know based on what Jesus Okay, we want to. We want people. We want to know that someone loves us by how much we feel something coming from them. That's not how God shows His love. Scripture says God shows His love for us in this: while we were sinners, He died for us. Don't make Jesus show you His love in a different way, because it will be inferior. The greatest act of love ever has already been accomplished. You just need to come into line with it. You need to understand it. You need to receive it for yourself. All right, so again, we're not talking about warm fuzzies. 
We're talking about coming into the truth of what Jesus actually did with you actually in mind. All right? So let's let, let's let the Holy Spirit take from here. And uh, if you want to pray with me, I'd love to pray for you. Uh, just that the, the love of God would come over you. Um, I'll be over here. Um, and then we may have a time of, of sharing if God wants to speak to, to all of us through any of you. If you have anything that you want to share, um, just kind of get that ready. And uh, I may call on you a little later. Amen? All right.